0: God speaks his word today from Exodus and Deuteronomy. And if you notice, the Pew Bibles are back. So if you would like to find that, I'll give you a moment. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then from Deuteronomy chapter 5. Verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day, Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant and maidservant, not your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. In
1: 1988, Eugene Peterson, a pastor and author widely known for his translation of the Bible called The Message, wrote an article with this title, Confessions of a Former Sabbath Breaker. And here's what he wrote. I got onto to Sabbath breaking early and engaged in my sin with gusto. As I developed in the Christian faith, I was examined and instructed in ways to discern, repent of, and defend against the classic sins that interfered with faith and love and hope. When I became a pastor, I was subject to even more rigorous examination. But not once did anyone call me on this sin. Instead, I was, if you can believe it, commended in my law-breaking. In fact, at one critical point in my life, when I was out of control, obsessive in my indulgence of this sin, I was rewarded with the largest single annual increase in salary I had ever received. My guess is that Peterson speaks not only for many pastors, but for many Christians uh, generally. When I was uh, going through school, I never took a Sabbath uh, until my very last year of seminary, in which I made a decision I was not going to work uh, on Sunday, no schoolwork on Sunday. It's the only year in my seven years that I got a 4.0 in school. I got into my first job and immediately forgot the lesson I had learned, and I began to work seven days a week, never uh, took a day off. My senior pastor didn't take a day off, so I wasn't going to take a day off either. And God, in his grace, allowed me to get pneumonia uh, that year. And I was sick as could be. I, I, uh, I lost my voice entirely. And when I, I called some of the volunteers who worked with our young adult ministry to tell them, the poor lady thought I was an obscene phone caller and hung up on me. Uh, well... From that, I learned a lesson. I needed to take a day of Sabbath rest. And so from then on, I did. Religiously, <laughs> I, I did. However, it was more of a day off than it was a day of Sabbath rest. When I began working on my uh, further degree, uh, I made the decision I was not going to do any of my work on the Sabbath. And so when I got over to, uh, to Oxford, uh, on s- the the library closed at four o'clock on Saturday so I would close my books I would go home and I would have a pleasant evening often I'd go out to a a pub to get dinner and just enjoy it the next day I'd go to church in the morning and then I'd go buy a newspaper go to a Starbucks cup of coffee and just quietly read the paper go back to where I was staying go to an evening service at the Christchurch Cathedral and hear the sung Evensong just a glorious time of rest. Now not everybody thinks that that's a fun day but you know just bear with me here, that, that for me was a fun day. And it was so peaceful and restful. And the result was, I think, that uh, my studies went very smoothly, had a great time. One of the most fun things uh, I've ever done. In my life. That, I believe, is the mark of Sabbath. When you can look back on it and say, yes, it, it was a, just a great day. Every, every week I had this one great day of rest. There's a, a professor at the University of Ottawa up in Canada uh, who is actually the Professor of Leisure Studies. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what a, I mean, what kind of courses do you design for a Department of Leisure Studies? But interestingly, in Canada, they had what you'll remember as Blue Laws. I think they called them King's Rest or something like that. But the province of Ottawa did away with the Blue Laws before the province of Nova Scotia did. And this particular professor happened to be in Toronto uh, when the, the, the laws changed. And he, he said you could just feel a change in everything around you. Everything became more hectic, busier. He then moved to Nova Scotia, to Halifax. And, and he was there and he said they still had that day when everybody took a pause. And he said it was just different. The feel was, was different. So as we look at Sabbath uh, this morning, Sabbath day, we've already, lo- remember, looked at Jubilee. We've looked at Sabbath year and now we're looking at sabbath day i think that it's sometimes difficult for us to think about the sabbath together without feeling guilty so please no guilt okay guilt is the work of the evil one god's spirit mercifully and kindly says let's think about this together and let's think about the implications of it together and then make your decisions accordingly but not guilt We're not trying to uh, motivate or uh, inspire change by making you feel guilty about something. So please, cast that as far from your minds uh, as possible. Um, So as we move into our first point, here's the truth that I want us to see. Sabbath is the culmination of God's work of creation, the end and purpose for which we were created, to rest in God's presence. Sabbath reveals to us the end and purpose for which we were uh, created. So, uh, a friend of mine uh, says, and I think rightly, that the whole of the Bible can be summarized in a single promise. You will be my people, and I will be your God, and I will dwell among you. It's for experiencing just this promise that God gives us the Sabbath day, a time to set aside to enjoy God being with us, and we being with him. Now, to get a better handle on this, I want to look first at what does it mean that God rested on the seventh day? Because if we're supposed to rest in the way that God did, what did it mean? Well, God did not rest, or better, cease from his work of creation because he was tired. That's not what happened. God ceased from his work on the seventh day because he was finished. There was nothing more to do. There were no more birds to create, no more animals to think up, no more planets or stars or galaxies to place in the heavens. The work of creation was finished. It was not as if he was tired and needed a day off so that the following day he could get back at it. No, creation was complete after those first six days. Why then this day of rest? Perhaps it would be helpful to think of the Sabbath day like this. A king has worked all week to prepare for a great party with food and drink, swimming and games, music and dance. And when the day comes, he says, Everything is ready. Come, I want to spend this day with you, enjoying our time together. The king's not saying, I'm taking a day off, so you should too. Rather, in his desire to know his people. Better, and for them to know him better, he completes all the preparations for a great party, then says, Come, it's time to sing and dance and enjoy being together. In this way, time itself is sanctified. It's set apart for a holy purpose, spending time with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you realize that our ancestors' first full day of life was actually a Sabbath day? Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. And the very next day, they were called to rest with God, to be with him and allow him to be with them. Only the following day then did they begin to work. Sabbath came first, work came second. The grace of Sabbath, that gift of being with the Father, came first, and then work followed. One other point is worth mentioning here. Even in his work of redemption, Jesus rested on the Sabbath. He was crucified on Friday, the sixth day of the week, and he rested in the tomb the entire Saturday Sabbath. All the work was done on the Friday. Remember what his final words on the cross were. It is finished. Just as God finished creation in six days, Jesus finished the work of redemption on Good Friday, the sixth day. And then he rested. It's a stunning thought. He rested on the Sabbath before then being raised up again on the first day of the week, the day we call Easter Sunday. So, what do we do with this? I think we begin to think rightly about the Sabbath day when we realize that it is the day God has set apart for us to cease from our labor, ordinary labor, as he did, in order to spend time, joyous time, with him. To accept as a gift of his grace this set-apart time in which to enjoy being with him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's the first point. But second thing we want to notice about this gift of Sabbath day is that a right understanding of the Sabbath day reveals to us the purpose for which everything else in creation was made. So, purpose. What do I mean by that? Imagine for a moment that you're constructing a house. The framing is up and you can see conduit poking out of a concrete slab, openings in the walls, rafters in the ceiling, but you don't know exactly where the kitchen is going to be, or the bathrooms or bedrooms, which space is the dining room and which is the living room, until the house is finished. The same is true of creation itself. Until God ceased and declared that creation was finished, we didn't know what it was all for. What part was each going to play in our lives, and what part were we going to play in the whole scheme of creation? In his book, What Are People For?, Wendell Berry wrote this, A creature, that's us, is not a creator, that's God, and cannot be. There is only one creation, and we are its members. To be creative is to see the creation anew, to welcome one's part in it anew. To be creative is to see the creation anew, and to welcome one's part in it anew. Well, what does that mean? He means that God has created us with a purpose, and we fit into creation. We have a role to play that is necessary on the one hand and full of delight on the other. But what does that have to do with the Sabbath day? Just this, and I think Wendell Berry gets it. The Sabbath day reminds us that we are the recipients of grace start to finish, and part of that grace is to be given a vocation a part to play in God's continuing providential work of caring for his creation. The burden of creating has been lifted from us. Instead, we get to join with God in the care of creation that we already saw in the Sabbath year and in Jubilee. The one has to do with caring for the gifts of air, sea, and sky. The other has to do with a grace-filled Treatment of other people, treating them the way we would want to be treated ourselves. When Solomon says, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun, is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new, it has been already in the ages before us? He's expressing the futility of people who think it is up to them to make this world a better place as though what God has already done is not enough. Now it's not up to us. The only thing that's up to us to make the world better is to join with God in his work, to assume that purpose for which he has created us in his providential care of creation. We've been made to enjoy God's creation rather than create anew with all the fretting and worry and anxiety that goes along with that. But... Until we grasp the meaning of the finished work of creation that Sabbath points to, we will always be prey to the temptation to work and work and work, lest we fail to make a life for ourselves that is worth living. God has already given us everything we need to live a life worth living. It's not up to us to create that. It's been given to us as a gift. Sabbath invites us to join with God in his work of caring for the finished creation. To join with God's spirit who's at work in us so that more and more we look like Jesus on both the outside and on the inside. Sabbath invites us to delight in exercising skilled mastery. That phrase I used last week. In exercising skilled mastery in our vocations as we join God in the work of caring for creation. I want to focus just a moment longer on that word, vocation. Vocation is the word we use to describe the work that God has called us to. Vocation is the word that describes the work that God has called us to do. When we find our vocation, we have found our purpose and where we fit into God's great providential work of caring for all that he has made. We know that we have found our vocation when we can say, this is what I get to do, not what I have to do. Yes, this is what I was created for. When you can say that, you have found your vocation. Some of you know the story of uh, Brother Andrew, who was a dishwasher in a, a, a convent all day long. All he, did, all he did was wash dishes. Yet he wrote a little book, about talking with God, practicing God's presence that has inspired and helped countless Christians for hundreds of years. Because he said, as I washed dishes, I experienced the glory of God. I talked with him and I experienced his presence at work within me. And he was a dishwasher. That was his vocation. It's what he got to do. Never what he had to do. Now, I know a number of you well enough to know that in your vocations, you take extraordinary pleasure and delight. And to the watching world, what many of you do, they consider way more important than what you see me doing right now. And they're, in many cases, way more grateful for what you do than for anything that that I do, and I want you to understand that, because in the Church of Jesus Christ, it's people living out their vocations, and, and what a, a teacher, a, a farmer, um, a business owner, a, a person who keeps our electricity running for us when it when it breaks down people that work in TV stations, people that uh, work for delivery companies, uh, people that do the work that makes our society run well, our engineers, our attorneys, our doctors, our nurses, whatever your vocation is, and if I've left it out, I'm sorry, but whatever your vocation is, as long as you understand it's what you get to do, what you find great delight in, then you know that you're doing the part that God created you for and that sabbath wants you to understand is uh, of such great worth to god and to the rest of his people finally we now we will know that we're experiencing the sabbath made for us when we are able to enjoy both praying and playing now i gave that point to the children Um, And my guess is that some of them are a little bit too young to maybe have grasped the whole thing, but hopefully they got the playing part. (laughs) Um, A friend of mine uh, told me yesterday that uh, he was talking to someone at church, and they said, well, you know, I talk to God, but I don't pray. And I thought, that's great. Because if you're talking to God, then you've got what prayer is about. The Sabbath reminds us that at least once every week, together with God's people, we get to stop and talk with God and then listen as he would speak back to us. Now, that's the tough part, isn't it? I had a little eight-year-old boy come up to me. He was one of my hockey uh, teammates, uh, his son. He was going through confirmation class at his church. And uh, so my teammate came up to me and said, uh, uh, um, Trevor, my son has a question that he wants to ask you. And so I said, fine, go ahead and ask. And he says, how come when I pray and talk to God, he never talks back? You've had that question, haven't you? You just don't dare ask it once you've grown up because you think you're not allowed to anymore. But an eight-year-old, that's a reasonable question to him and he'll be happy to, to ask it. Well, the Sabbath gives us that time when we get to both talk to God and then listen to him as he responds. But how does he respond? Have you ever noticed in the bulletin that you have God speaks, we respond, God speaks, we respond, God speaks, we respond? The order of worship every Sunday morning wants to involve us in a dialogue with God so that we can hear him speak through his word. We can hear him speak to us through the word expounded during the sermon. We can hear him speak through his still small voice as maybe someone's face comes to our mind's eye during the time of prayer. And we say, I need to say a word to the Lord about this person. Or maybe we're thinking of a family member that comes to our mind's eye and we say to ourselves, I need to pray for that person. That's God speaking to us. And then we think to ourselves, you know, it would be a good thing maybe if I called them up this afternoon when I get home. That's God speaking uh, to you. Or maybe in the course of, of worship, you're reminded of a temptation <laughs> that's been dogging you. Well, that's your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, listen, I, I, I'm with you in the midst of that. And I can help. See, we pray. We pray and we listen. But then we also get to play. Understand that John Calvin, <coughs> when uh, uh, he was talking about Sabbath to the people in, uh, I- in Geneva, he said, well, after worship, um, you should go out and play Skittles. That's an ancient version of pickleball. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bowling game, I think, <coughs> of, of some sort. But the point is, um, you know, if Sunday is a day where you you go to church and you dress up in clothes that you never wear any other time of the week. Now, when I was a kid, that was true. And and our church wasn't air conditioned when I was growing up. And to wear a a tie and a jacket in the summer in Philadelphia in 90-degree heat, um, it didn't warm my heart to God. It warmed my heart, but not to God. And I can't say that it was really my favorite time of the week to go uh, and pray. But over time, it did. Over time, I realized that it was in the sanctuary. It was gathered together with God's people. That I learned so much. That I saw evidence before me the lives of Christians whose lives I wanted to emulate as I got older and older. And that's what happens when we come and, and pray together. But then the playing that comes afterwards ought to be a time of joy. Um, when families are able to, to decide this is, this is what we as a family just love to do together, and they, and they choose to do it. So we're not going to get involved with the work that we have to do the rest of the week, but we're going to have a time of just enjoying together. And when families look around and say, who are maybe some people in the congregation that don't have family that we can invite to come and join with us in some of those things from time to time? then we're experiencing Sabbath. We're experiencing the joy of it. We're experiencing the gift of what Sabbath uh, can be. Now understand that Jesus ceased from his ordinary labor on most Sabbaths. We'd have no record of Jesus ever opening up his uh, carpentry shop on the Sabbath. Yet six times he was criticized for breaking the Sabbath. Once I referenced it with the children when he allowed his disciples to pick grain in order to eat. Uh, on the Sabbath. The other five times was when he healed people and he was criticized for healing people because the Pharisees, and I think many of us get our understanding of the Sabbath actually from the Pharisees rather than from Jesus. The Pharisees had made it a brutal law uh, that you just couldn't break and that they would be on you immediately if they saw you break it. But Jesus said, but that's not the purpose of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, The Sabbath was made for us. We weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us to enjoy times of praying and playing and doing those extraordinary works of healing and providing for the needs of people without which they would suffer. The Sabbath was made for us. We weren't made for it. It's a gift of God's grace from start uh, to finish praying then joining with god's people in worship and playing as you define those activities that bring refreshment to your soul they are gifts of god but now one more thing needs to be said as we want these two things for ourselves we must do our best to allow others the same joy if we want a sabbath we should do what we can to make sabbath possible for others let me give you an example Some years ago, a friend of mine had a member whose husband was a local school principal. And the wife attended regularly, but he did not. But after a time, the husband did begin to attend. And then just as suddenly stopped. My friend found out later that after worship one Sunday, a member of the church had gone up to him and started to berate him about an issue at the school. And he said to himself, I didn't come to worship. To have people berate me about what i have to do the other six days of the week i came here to worship and because that was taken away from him he stopped coming i hope that that would never be true here because i know we have a school principal who attends here we have a school athletic director that attends here we have a number of school teachers that, that attend here and that's just one example It's why I made a point of never asking a doctor for medical advice on a Sunday morning. Uh, It does remind me of the story of the doctor and the attorney that were talking to each other and the doctor said, I keep having people coming up to me when I'm at church asking me for medical questions. At times I think I should probably send them a bill for a short visit. What do you think The lawyer said, absolutely, I would. And the following week he got a, a bill from the attorney. the Sabbath it's the day that we get to rest to pray and to play and to enjoy just being with God and being with his people because on the seventh day creation was complete it was finished and grace was what was left to experience and to enjoy And friends, in a busy, hectic world like the one that we live in, isn't a day of rest good news? Amen.